0: Well today, October the 21st is the 10th anniversary of one of the greatest events the world has ever seen, has ever witnessed, ever will witness, but it never happened. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder, and I am your host, Bob Bierman. Take a moment here to thank Jim Calhoun for for stepping up to the plate yesterday and helping me out in producing much of Wednesday's program. As many of you know, my wife and I, we are in Florida. We have a wedding at the end of the month that I'm officiating. We have plans to make for that. There's a technical project I'm working on, some ministry projects I'm working on. And I wanna thank one of my dear friends who allows me a place to come a few times a week where I can record in quiet and privacy to produce this radio program. Without some good friends out there, it would be very difficult, especially over the next couple of months. Well, today, as I said at the beginning of the program, it marks, it marks a very unusual anniversary. 10 years ago, October 21st, 2011, was supposed to be the end of the world. That's right. 10 years ago, it was supposed to be the end of the world. Now, many of you may remember this. Maybe you've forgotten about it, but I was reminded of it in an email somebody sent me that it's hard to believe that 10 years have come and gone. Harold Camping, several times in his career, made predictions of the end of the world. The, the loudest one that he made was 10 years ago. He predicted that in May, May 21st, would be the rapture, Followed five months later, October the 21st would be the end of the world. And he used all of his radio station facilities and this massive ministry that he had to promote that message. Now, I've known people, a number of them around the country, that worked for that ministry back over the years, and they were disheartened on those occasions when he would make such a prediction. But this time around, 10 years ago, millions of dollars were spent on billboards. You may remember seeing them. May 21st, 2011, the rapture. Are you ready? The Bible declares it. The Bible says it. It, it, It's going to happen. As I said, it wasn't Harold Camping's first round. Uh, with a prediction of the end of the world. I can remember back in the 1990s. I was studying for the ministry and I was also working for a radio ministry in northeast Georgia that was owned and operated by Toccoa Falls College. And when that prediction came out from Harold Camping in 1994, I can't remember the date. I think it was June the 6th or something like that. Was supposed to be the rapture or the end of the world, whatever. I remember talking to the college president, and he and I were just talking about several issues within the radio ministry, and he happened to smile at me and said, maybe we ought to send Harold Camping a letter saying that uh, we would like to have him transfer the ownership of all of his radio stations and ministry to us, um, effective the 6th of June, or whatever the date was. And I actually drafted a letter and mailed it. Not that they ever responded, saying that we'd be happy if we're left behind to take over the ministry to uh, give information to people on what's occurring in this period of time. Apparently, they didn't believe it enough to, to take up the offer. But here's the problem, as we talked about last week. And, and by the way, I want to thank a number of you that have taken the time to write email, or otherwise, the program. When I did last Friday's program, which is also the weekend program for many, we talked about some of the strange things of the faith, the strange predictions, the strange uh, people that do all kinds of things that just really don't add up to the Bible. And we called it semiism. Those that want to be able to sell you this power that they claim to have, uh, and, and it benefits them, marvelously in Harold camping's case and I want to defend him a little bit because I look back over his overall ministry and the things that he and family radio accomplished you, you can't you can't deny that for many many years he was a pioneer in radio in terms of Christian broadcasting he was born in 1921. He would have been a hundred years old uh, earlier this year, and he had a vision. And by 1958, if memory serves me, he had developed what was called family radio. And at their peak, as they grew immensely, they had a, they were in hundred and fifty radio markets around the United States. In 1958, when people would think you know having an FM radio station. You know, people, they don't have FM in their cars and the ones at home are not that great. They drift, they got issues, though they do sound better than AM. AM was still the king of the road. You know, 95% or more of the automobiles that had a radio at that time had AM only. And so AM radio stations were traditionally the number one radio station in any market, regardless of the power. But Harold Camping had this vision of using FM radio wherever he could. In fact, he had a radio station just across the Hudson River that covered all of the New York City metropolitan area and out into Long Island, into New Jersey, into Connecticut. It was a massive radio station, WFME. And I can remember when I was in college, in the 1970s early 1970s i went to saint john's university and i was living at my grandparents' home in long island and i had a stereo system in my in my room not a very big one and i had a radio and, and i had fm and i remember discovering that station for the very first time wfme and it was a well run radio station on fm And it had very traditional Christian music. It had very, pretty much, sound Bible teaching. And I was rather impressed. And then I realized that their ministry is based out of Oakland, California, the San Francisco area where they had a radio station out there. They were all over the United States with these wonderful FM radio facilities. And they were sharing the good news of the gospel via radio. This all started in 1958, and one by one, these stations were built, and then in the 1970s, Harold Camping was a pioneer in getting involved with international shortwave. He and his ministry purchased a a radio station up in Massachusetts. It was a shortwave facility, had four transmitters. It had been owned by, I think, the city of New York or something like that at one point, and they acquired it, and as they grew their international shortwave ministry, they realized they were landlocked. They couldn't add any more antennas. They couldn't add any more transmitters. So they found a piece of real estate just north of Okeechobee, Florida. And starting in the 1970s, they built the first building, and they started moving transmitters from, from Massachusetts to Florida, and they, they built up all these antenna systems. 23 in total. And before it was done, they had their first 10 transmitters on the air. They actually built their own transmitters. They had some older ones that had all been moved down from Massachusetts. And then they started adding their own. Plus, they had purchased two new ones as well. And then in the 1980s, they decided to expand again and added four. A big wing onto the building and four more transmitters and additional antennas and, and all that goes with it. And I can remember when I worked for a manufacturing company that built broadcast equipment, I used to travel a lot. It was part of my job. And I had this little Plymouth Horizon. Remember those little, you know, boxy cars that, that Chrysler came out with? I had one of those, a little four speed transmission, and it was my way to get around. Easy on gas, highly reliable. And when I bought it, it did not have a radio. You could actually buy a car back then without a radio. So I went to a, a store to look for a car radio, and I found this one at this large store in New York City. I was working for that transmitter manufacturer first up in New York, and then it moved to Georgia. But I remember taking the train into New York with my wife. And we went on to 42nd Street, where there's all kind of stores and shops and electronic places, and and I found this very unique AM/FM with cassette and shortwave. The company I worked for, we were actually building some shortwave equipment that went around to other countries around the world. There's some, even some of their units domestically here in the United States to this day. And and I can remember. I'd be driving somewhere, and I'd get tired of what's on the regular AM or FM, and I never really played with cassettes much. And I would kick the button over to shortwave. And I can remember driving down a highway. First time I ever really heard the station, I think I was on the way to Arkansas, and I was coming across the state of Mississippi on what's called the, the Arkadelphia Highway. And it's got to be getting close to 11 o'clock at night. And I'm tuning around the dial, and I'm picking up... Deutsche out of Germany and I'm picking up stations out of Cuba, I'm picking up all kinds of stations, some in foreign languages then all of a sudden out of nowhere I heard this music that well-known hymn to God be the glory, great things he hath done, would ring out on the airwaves of what was then known as WYFR in Okeechobee, Florida. And anytime they would be ready to come on the air, they would turn on the transmitter a few minutes before they began regularly scheduled programming, and you kept hearing that music to God be the glory and the station identification. Anytime they would change frequencies during the day and they would indicate we're now going from this frequency to the other. They turn off one transmitter and they turn it on on a new frequency and they'd have that music to God be the glory indicating this is WYFR in Okeechobee, Florida. Programming begins in like two minutes, whatever. And, And I remember listening to them all over the United States and then realizing that their facilities were not just covering the United States. They were not just covering Canada. They were covering the Caribbean. They were covering Central America, Mexico, uh, all of, most of South America, even antennas that reached into Europe and Africa with this message of the gospel on international shortwave. Looking over some pictures, it was a massive ministry back in its heyday. And so much wonderful programming came from all of these FM radio stations, some AM radio stations, and this shortwave facility in Florida. Family radio is truly a monumental ministry. But two times before 2011, Harold Camping had tried to use his engineering background. He had... He had a degree in engineering trying to figure out the end of the world, trying to find some secrets in the Bible. And he concluded wrongly on every occasion when the end of the world would occur. Now, the first couple of times, it didn't damage the ministry that much because it wasn't such a big production in what he was saying and the way he said it. But the last time, in 2011 when when Harold Camping was around 90 years of age he was thoroughly convinced this time this time i've got it right this time there can be no doubt this time it's the real deal this time it is the end of the world and i can remember seeing billboards all over the places that i traveled on interstates there was one not far from where we live now in Florida. I remember seeing it in 2011. There was one in South Carolina. They were were everywhere. And people would look at this thing and go, is this for real? Is the world really coming to an end? Is the rapture going to occur in May, May 21st of 2011? Is the world going to come to a cataclysmic end on October the 21st? 10 years ago today. Well, obviously... The rapture didn't occur. Obviously, the world didn't come to an end. All of these things that are stated in the Bible about the coming of Jesus Christ will happen. But we don't know the day nor the hour of his return. And and I never could understand. I, I'm thinking back, 1988. One of my family members called us up so excited on the telephone one night saying, we're sending you this this book. We just heard from this guy that was speaking at a church, and we were just so enthralled with everything he had to say. He's a retired NASA engineer. He's a genius. He understands the Bible. He understands science and technology and mathematics, and he has been diligently for years, going through the Bible, trying to discern the end times, and he has it figured out. You've got to read his book. And I can remember saying, you know, you I really don't want to read his book. Because I don't believe his book is going to be correct. But they insisted, and they mailed it to us, and I looked at it, and I i paged through it. The guy's name was Dr. Ken Wissenet. Like I say, retired NASA engineer. He understood space. He understood all of these things that that can put rockets into space, into orbits to the moon and beyond. He had a knowledge of mathematics that I I, I would never never pretend I could come close to. Yet in all his ability of mathematical knowledge and wisdom. He decided the world was coming to an end in 1988. And so he had a book called The 88 Reasons from the Bible that it all comes to an end in 1988. Well, those family members, they really believed it. And, and they would consistently, and I was working at that time for the radio ministry of Toccoa Falls College. I went there in the middle 1980s after I left one company. I stayed there for years at the college, and I'm just going, this doesn't feel right. This this numerology stuff and trying to predict dates and and what have you and, and this super inside knowledge goes into contradiction that no man knoweth the day nor the hour of my return. Why is it that everybody that sets a date misses that verse? The Bible says you will not know, so don't claim and sell a book saying you do know. Well, as 1988 came to a close and 1989 came upon us, he, he made a statement, Dr. Ken Wisson it. I made a miscalculation. It's really 89 reasons that Jesus returned in 1989. Most people didn't buy it, but I knew a few people that did, and they were equally as convinced ready to sell their homes, their goods, their possessions, and head off to the countryside head to the mountains, head away from the cities because sudden destruction is coming and all these horrible things are about to occur. So I'm going to grab my family and we're going to head out to places unknown and wait for Jesus' return. When I was a young Christian, really getting excited about my faith when I was in high school, even though I had these aspirations of being a disc jockey. But I still had this this quest for knowledge about God's word. And there were some popular books at that time. And maybe if you're old enough, if you're like my age, you'll remember this one book that had everybody captivated for for years, for many, many years. The guy that wrote the book, Hal Lindsey, made speaking engagements everywhere. And he was appearing on early Christian television, any opportunity that he could, promoting his book, The Late Great Planet Earth. Now, remember, I was like 16 years old, 17, as I'm reading this book, and I'm not quite as deep in the word of God as I needed to be, thankfully, because of the church that I attended, the Christian school that I attended, I had a better working knowledge than most, but still... There's a lot of things to a young mind to understand the depth of prophecy you find in Daniel, in Isaiah, in Revelation, and, and elsewhere in Scripture, and what Jesus says in Matthew. It can be overwhelming to many of us. And so you, you want to rely or you think you need to rely on people to help you discern this information and these truths. And he made this prediction, and he used this analogy. And I, and I bought into it for a long time. He made the statement, and he's another one that predicted 1988. He said that Israel became a nation in 1948. We assume a generation is 40 years. Thus, (laughs) the generation that sees Israel come as a nation will see my return. So it all has to be uh, beginning or ending or mid or some point in 1988. At the age of 16, I'm thinking to myself, I'm going to be 34 years old or 35 years old in 1988. Will that be the end of my earthly life because Jesus is coming back? Doing the math in my mind. Will I will I be gone? Will there be a rapture will be whatever I'm reading. And it was very compelling. I'd also read books like 1984 when I was in high school. They don't want you to read that stuff now because you'll understand what's going on in our own government if you ever did. That's why books like Animal Farm and, and 1984 are not exactly on the high school reading list anymore. They were when I was in high school. And I can remember reading those books. And to me, they were terrifying of what could happen in a nation when big government gets big control over every aspect of your life. I had a hard time back in 1970, 71, 72, envisioning the kind of technology that it would take to to have such a global control of the money supply, global control of the supply chain, global control of your bank accounts and everything else. I couldn't even envision it back then But I certainly can today at the rate technology has been exploding. Think for just a moment with me if you're old enough to remember. Let's just go back 50 years ago. Let's go back to October of 1971. What was your life back in October of 1971? Maybe you were a small child. Maybe you're already getting started in your life and married but let's you know many of many of this audience is near my age maybe it's way before your time but I really believed in 1971 we had achieved so much in our science and our technology and and we we had arrived was basically how I felt in 1971. I wanted a piece of understanding that technology. I wanted to be a part of communications and broadcast in the world's worst kind of way. And so I took every opportunity of my free time to learn more about electronics, more about broadcasting. Got my first job in radio when I was 17. Got into the engineering side a little bit later. But I really thought, wow, look how far we have come in 50 years, 50 years, like 1921 to 1971. In 1921, there were just a couple of radio stations barely on the air in the United States. The equipment was very primitive, trying to produce something like a live program because recording techniques had not been developed yet was rather difficult, but people would listen to these radio stations, these faint, scratchy voices, especially at night. The new thing, radio, in many parts of the South, in some rural places in Ohio, New York, Pennsylvania, Indiana, there were still people in 1921 living without electricity. They had kerosene lanterns and fireplaces. They farmed. They live simple lives. Places like the New York City, hey, they had electrified subways. They had the lights of Broadway. They had technology, and now they were getting something new besides just the movie house. Now you started having radio. And over the next 15 years into the 1930s, radio exploded. The number of radio stations just went on the air at this accelerated pace. That By the time you got to the late 1930s, early 1940s, prior to World War II, most homes owned some kind of a radio. And people gathered around the radio at night to, to listen to drama radio programs, comedy shows, musical shows. I bet back then, my grandparents, who were born around the late 1800s, 1900, right around in there, all of them, they saw this explosion of technology: the electric light, the radio, the the movie theaters, automobiles, the horse and buggy. I can I I look at pictures. Even in New York City, in the early 1900s, much of Brooklyn, parts of Queens, they still had farms people still had horse-drawn carriages. And how fast the automobile changed the landscape, increased trains, moved people out of the city and into the first suburbs going east into Long Island and elsewhere. Technology was truly an enormous and wonderful thing. So I look at all this technology today compared to 50 years ago when an am radio in a car was a big deal a color television set half the tv sets were still black and white we had air conditioning if you lived in the south we had everything we needed we had we had airliners you know flying coast to coast i flew many a time in the 1960s and 70s to new york and out west and all over and i'm thinking how much better how much more technology can we ever get I never believed I would see the wristwatch television that we had in the Dick Tracy comics, but now you can get an Apple Watch or 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 an Android Watch from Samsung that does all of it. Technology is truly amazing, and it keeps exploding. Now, when I get back on the other side, I want to pick up on some of the mispromises that have been made. And some of the things that I really believe we need to take concern. If you're chasing after the end of the world and a date of Jesus' return, you're chasing after the wrong thing. And the reason I say that is every time, and let's go back, think about Millerism in the 1800s. Jesus is coming back in the 1800s, you know, go out to the woods, go out to the wilderness, be ready for his coming. And then the great disappointment. And you look over history. There have been so many of these failed predictions and so many disappointments, so many broken hearts, so many broken homes over chasing after what the Bible says do not chase after. There's enough evil in each and every day. I have lived in a time of unprecedented technical growth. And if the world should still be here 50 years from now, long after I'm gone, the technology of the year 21, you know, the year 2121 20, 21, or it's going to be massive, 2071. It's going to be hard for my mind to even begin to comprehend with all that is occurring today. Do you believe in the ministry of, of Truth to Ponder? This program goes out. Monday through Friday, and the Friday is also for many a weekend edition. There's some stations that only air it on the weekend, and I understand that, and that's fine. We're glad to have the opportunity to reach anybody that we can. I'm just a small voice on a small program reaching a small audience trying to give you information that you may not get from someplace else. I'm not here trying to do a program that has this super secret stuff and only I have it so you have to come here to get it. I just look at the same source as you can. And all I try to do is logically and systematically break it down into small pieces so you can understand this world that is so complex where we live. And try to find the important things that too often we may tend to miss. I still believe in shortwave radio. The internet is a wonderful thing, and I, I love how the podcast side is growing each and every month. I'm thankful that we have an audience in Europe, an audience in Australia, an audience now growing in some places in Asia, in, in Canada, even the Caribbean. I'm thankful for those people. It's not a mass number of hundreds of thousands. It's, it's a significant number but I'm just one voice and I pray that God raises up other voices and I'll talk about that too on the other side. But if you do believe in what we're doing, you know, you need more than just me out there and, and I'm trying to help facilitate others in getting their start. But if you believe in what we're doing to keep the airtime bill paid and God has been very good to us over this, these past what, 14 months? Our mailing address and if you do want to use a check you can make your check payable to ancient word radio and our mailing address is 5753 highway 85 north that's 5753 highway 85 north number 3248 that's number 3248 and the city is crestview c-r-e-s-t-v-i-e-w crestview florida and The zip code is 32536. That's 32536.
1: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The end of the sixth day. Shalom Alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish Connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. On the sixth day, the Bible says... God finished the work of creation. He rested on the seventh day, Shabbat. It was on the sixth day. His work was complete and then God rested. Two thousand years ago, God again labored to create a new creation. And so again, he labored on the sixth day. That's why Messiah died on Friday because Friday is the sixth day in the Hebrew calendar Friday ends at sundown Friday. The sixth day ends as the sun sets. That's why Messiah finished his work on Friday afternoon as the sun was beginning to set because it was the end of the sixth day. And that's when the work has to be finished. And that's why he said at the very time at the end, he said, it is finished. And then he rested on the end of the sixth day. That's when he had to do it. What does it have to do with you? everything you see we also labor we try to make our lives complete most people live as if their life is incomplete even believers never enough love never enough money never enough good works never enough righteousness never enough acceptance never enough whatever it is always trying to complete ourselves complete get more that's why messiah labored on the sixth day and at the end and he said it's finished so it can be finished for you so you can be complete and so you can rest So you can stop seeking to complete your life and find your completion in his complete work. Because when God labors on the sixth day, and then at the end of the sixth day, he says it's finished, then it's finished and you can be complete. Not in your work, but in his. He came to make you complete, find your completion in him, and you too will be able to say, it is good and it is finished. And now I can rest. Want more? Ask for the sixth and seventh day. Now the free gift for you. What if you discover the place where the lost Ark of the Covenant was? Well, newly revealed ancient discovery just as awesome. The mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And it's our free gift to you. And Sapphire's daily spiritual vitamins guarantee to revitalize your walk or a free New Testament. How do you get these all completely free? easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and you dial it. That's it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, the Jewish people brought you the blessings of salvation. I invite you to join with me to bring it back to them, to bless those who blessed you, and to reach the unreached peoples from every nation. Just call now. 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll have a great part in the end-time harvest. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. The Nice Jewish Boy at Box 111. 11 Lodi. L O D I New Jersey 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. Box 1111 Lodi. L O D I New Jersey 07644. Till next time. This is Jonathan Khan saying, Shalom Aleichem, Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Tikvatenu, our hope, Hashabbat, and the Sabbath peace of our lives.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And I want to welcome you back to part two of Truth to Ponder here on this Thursday, the 21st of October in the year 2021. I can't believe that we are on the verge of completing 10 months of this of this year. Where did the year go? Where did this year go? I look at this radio program over the past 14 months that we've been doing it, almost 14 months. And we'll enter our 15th month um, in about a week from Monday. And I'm excited about how this program has grown. It's not something that I actually expected to see happen. When I first felt very strongly to go from a weekend-only program, and I thought I had enough on my plate with just that one program, but I just felt very strongly led to do this program Monday through Friday, with the Friday being also the weekend edition. And I really believe that it was going to be for a short season. We started it at the end of August of last year. And it was in the midst of all the ups and downs and the changes of the narrative and the pandemic. An election coming up in November and just a lot of background noise, a lot of concern, a lot of people on edge. And, and I just felt maybe maybe I can do a program to help some people. I can't reach everybody, but I can reach those people like you that are listening now that God puts into my path. And maybe I can help you sort through all the news. There's so much news out there and so much of it's not even true Even I have a hard time staying ahead and and making sure that the things that I share with you are true and accurate. I may miss, I may make a mistake, and it'll be an honest mistake, not something that I willfully did. There have been so many stories that have come across my desk. People have shared with me things that I've located, and and I feel like, man, i got to run with this story. But then I look at it and I think about it, then I start doing a little bit more research and find out, you know, there's something about this story that doesn't ring true. And even just as in the Christian world, you have your share of the false prophets and the fake teachers, you have them too in in the secular world of journalism and politics. People want to make you believe that they have the only source of information. I'm never going to say that. I'm just going to do my best to help sort out the things you and I are both seeing. I've listened to people over the past months, and I'm not, I don't want to get into this story per se right now, but I've listened to a lot of things about these treatments and vaccines that people have these wild ideas of what they may or may not be. And I've tried to avoid a lot of what I call the the hype. I know it keeps an audience. I know it builds an audience. I know it can make some people that do these kind of radio programs or podcasts a pretty good amount of money. But see, that's not what I'm doing this for. God has met my need. I was thinking when we started the program last year. My wife and I were at our home in Georgia. Now, don't think that I'm a wealthy person because we have two homes. There's a long story. And it's funny how God provides you something, and you think it's for one thing, and it ends up being totally for something else. Our house in Georgia, there's a little story that goes with it. I want to share it with you real quick. It was back in 2017. That I had a phone call from a friend of mine in Georgia. And he was wanting to retire from this small church where he was a pastor. Over the years, I had preached there on several occasions and I had been a visitor. And so a lot of the people knew who I was and they always enjoyed having me come to preach. And he said, How would you like to be the pastor of this church? Now, remember, my wife and I, we are living in Florida. I'm working part-time with the shortwave station out of Okeechobee. I do, um, I'm semi-retired, and, but I was still doing some part-time work, very limited. And I was also helping to begin a small church in Florida. And this guy kept calling. Bob, you need to really consider coming up here. It'd be just a wonderful place. You, know, you, you just really would enjoy it. And I kept saying, no, it sounds wonderful and it's tempting. I'd, I'd like to do it, but I just don't feel comfortable doing it. My wife and I got talking. and And he urged us to come up to pay at least one visit together. And, you know, just spend a day with them. So we did. I have family in Georgia anyway, so to go to that part of the world, I could, you know, double up seeing family, and I'll, I'll speak at that church. And so we came up, and we visited, and we enjoyed our time, and then they started calling me. I can remember now, now we're getting into, it was late 2016 when they first extended the invitation to even consider it. Uh, the date of the current pastor's retirement was not fully set, but it was going to be sometime by by the summer. He wanted to enjoy his life and and his retirement. He, he worked for many many years, so we went up there to take a look, and we just felt we we didn't feel comfortable with the idea of just quote selling our home in Florida and moving up to a house or something in Georgia. By that time, I'm, you know, approaching, you know, getting on Medicare. And, and I really didn't feel that I wanted to get into a long-term career as a pastor. But after I talked to everybody, I thought, you know, this wouldn't be a bad idea for a year, maybe two. I'm a believer from my background in church work. Sometimes it is better to have an interim pastor between somebody that's been there for many years and the next pastor that comes in. That's just the way I feel. Give a chance to reassess, figure out where the church has been, where God has called it to be, and try to you know take the heat, in other words, of some of the changes. So when, when the next guy comes in that may be there for a long time, The work that he has in front of him is a lot easier to do. And so we talked about it. We just did not know how we were going to do it because housing is not all that inexpensive, even up there in the mountains. It's rather high. I can remember the first time I ever saw the community that we live in had to be back in the middle 1970s. And my late wife and I even thought about having a home in the mountains, a little cabin, a little getaway, a little mobile home, something for the weekends. Seemed like a nice idea, but it was, it was prohibitively too costly on my income. We just couldn't do it. And so it was a nice little dream that never happened. I figured if, we could, if I could find something just tiny for, for me to rent um, with the income from the church, I could afford this maybe a small place and, and we'll do a lot of travel. You know, my wife would be spending maybe a month or two with me, then have to go back to Florida to take care of things. She was still working part-time. And we would try to work it out for a year or two and help them out. And it, would, it was going to be a good experience. So finally, in May of 2000, maybe it was April of 2017, I can't remember precisely. I, I get this phone call. I'm actually at a conference of shortwave broadcasters in California. And my phone kept exploding. It was a guy from that church wanting to know if I was still interested. They really wanted to have me come. And he said, this is all we can afford to pay. Would would you consider it? So I said, if you'll give me just a couple of days to finish up this conference, get back home to Florida, I will give you a call. So I got home, and my wife and I talked about it at length. And we decided, assuming we could find an inexpensive place for me to stay at, for the next year and a half and her coming back and forth, we would do it. And I figured it'd be a nice way to go into my retirement years, uh, not so much for the money, but just to give me something to do. And I, I just felt this was not a bad idea. So we opted to do it. So I agreed. And one of the members of that church had this small cabin near Clayton, Georgia, when I say small, we're talking small. It had a a bedroom, a tiny living room, an itty-bitty kitchen, and a bathroom, and a dirt road to get to it. It did not have cell phone service at all. Um, I did have to put telephone and DSL internet in so I could at least communicate with my wife. And, And so I moved into this little tiny cabin, and I took over that church. Well, one day I was in Sky Valley and we're looking, maybe, maybe we ought to consider getting something if it becomes long-term. But what could we afford? And my wife found this in looking. She forwarded me an email saying, what do you think of this? It was a Swiss chalet-styled condominium. Uh, there are five units attached together. They're built on a hillside, and there's a uh, there are a number of these. They were built back in the 70s, and the price on this thing was ridiculously low. Like you got to be kidding. There's got to be a number missing. There's got to be a zero missing. Something's wrong with this. And so I went to look at it because it was not that hard to find. And I realized the reason it was so cheap it you couldn't live in it because the older couple that had had it for years. The husband had died, and now the wife's in a nursing home and had been literally abandoned for two years. And it already had a lot of issues like a a bad roof, a bad heating system. The floors were terrible. Uh, The kitchen was just horrible. Bathrooms needed to be renovated. But the price was literally like buying a used car. Literally. And so being a builder's son I talked to the real estate agent, and I got a chance to go into this unit. And I'm thinking, you know, if I just did this or just did that, it could be livable for this. Or if I did this, it would even be nicer. And so we looked at it, and we had some savings. And, of course, you know as well as I do that money in savings right now, you get nothing for it. Nothing. You get not even a percent. And I didn't want to put anything into a risky investment. And so we thought about it, and we came up with a budget, you know, the minimal budget, uh, the moderate budget, and the over-the-top budget on what we could do with this particular unit. And so after I had an inspector check out all the, quote, bones of that building and the foundation and everything that's really, really important, we decided to go ahead, and we, we took some money out of savings, and we bought the unit. And over the next uh, nine months, I paid a carpenter and his helper and a couple of other people to help me renovate it from, I mean, we stripped it down. Literally my wife and we came up there and we would spend, she'd spend her days at that cabin is ripping off old paneling and just tearing walls out. Never saw that woman work so hard in her life. But six months later, it started to take shape and All of a sudden, we realized that by seven, eight months later, with the exception of the lower floor, which is a daylight basement where the master bedroom would go, everything was done except the downstairs, and we could actually move in. There was a loft bedroom with bath, and it had now the new kitchen, and it had the nice living room. We replaced the fireplace, and so we moved into, quote, as she said, we're living in our savings account, and hopefully... Depending on how this world goes, it could be a good investment. If the world comes to an end, unexpectedly, it doesn't make any difference. Just trying to be a wise steward. And so there we are. We've got this house, and we finally got the, the downstairs finished. And then I decided the time had come. The church was, well, let's put it this way. Half the people I loved, the other half, they were a problem because they wanted to run the church their way, not God's way. And it came to a head, and we finally decided to part company. But at the end of it, we now have this other house. Never thought much about it. Enjoyed it a little bit during the summer of 2019. Um, Just a getaway, and it, it really helped us. And then the pandemic came in 2020. Now, we didn't plan on going to that house till like maybe May of that year, maybe even June, and just spend four or five months. And maybe we'd even considered making it a rental as an extra income. The pandemic came, and I was asked to serve in a nearby state to Georgia in their emergency management response. And so I went first to that to our place in the mountains, and then from there, I I continued my journey on to the next location. And and it was a funny thing. Um, Because of the pandemic, because of everything, my wife came up when I finished my work in May. I decided enough was enough. We've talked about it before. I'll tell you some other day. We decided just to spend our time and just kind of ride out the storm, so to speak. And then the radio program was born. And so I had this quiet place with everything I needed put together where I could produce this radio program. It actually was going to be literally a 10-minute video cast every day, maybe 15 minutes, with the name Truth to Ponder. But I'm, a, I'm not really a television guy. I'm more of a radio guy. So I, I, I opted and thought about it and did some research. I was talking to a friend of mine, and I said, I, I would do this, but it's going to take some money to buy some airtime. And he said, let me give you the first seed gift to get you started and see how it goes. So he did, and I did, and the rest is history, and here we are 15 months later. We spent a lot of time in Georgia because of producing this radio program. It was just so conducive to being able to have the quiet time, the peace, small town, uh, to get away from it without being away from it. But the time has come to be back in Florida for a while and expand this ministry and get back to other ministry work that had been laying dormant for this past year. And so I, I look now, God gave us that place in Georgia for two reasons. It had nothing to do really with that, that small church that I assisted for about a year. It had more to do with being prepared to doing this work radio program and having a place of retreat where people can come and visit and we can talk about the things of God. Because, see, our world is changing if you hadn't figured it out. The church as we knew it in 2019, for the most part, is never coming back, and in some cases, that's not even a bad thing. Truly, it isn't. Many nominal Christians, they took advantage of the pandemic as an excuse not to go because if I go, I'm going to get sick and I don't want to wear a mask and you know, all that goes with it. A lot of denominations and churches that are really apostate, that truly don't believe in the gospel, promote and celebrate sin, they're the ones most afraid. And they're, the, they're having a hard time, quote, coming back. Well, that's fine. But the nature of the church going forward is going to change. It's going to change. It's going to have to. Look at the world today. I mean, even with, quote, vaccine passports in Europe and then stuff going on in Australia and the things even happening in many of the states in this country and and a good chunk of Canada, the church was singled out in so many parts of the world as being a dangerous super spreader location. Though liquor stores and Walmarts and what have you were not. And so the church was considered non-essential by the secular government. And incredible and just draconian and unreasonable restrictions were put upon many churches. There was one one place where you could only have 10 people in your church. Didn't matter how big it was. You may have a church that only had 15 members and you can now have 10 Your building could seat 500. You still could only have 10. It made no sense. I can remember Mayor Lori Lightfoot in Chicago was so determined to keep this one church from meeting. And she thought that these people park on the street when they go to church, we're gonna tow every one of their cars. And so she did. Towed every car away. Funny thing is, None of those cars had anything to do with that church. She never apologized. Why should she? But you saw this repeat itself over and over. And this is just a warning shot over the bow to the church. And this is where Christians have got to realize that there are times that when the government says something, you have to say no to the government. What if people say, well, the Bible says, you know, respect the authority of your leaders. True. True when they're doing God's work, when they're godly. But even even Peter said, when given a choice of following the dictates of the state or government, whatever you want to call it, when they are in contradiction to what God has said, I will always do what God says, regardless of the cost. And that's where the church is in trouble. The church is not a building, it's not a fellowship hall, it's not stained glass windows, it's not fancy carpet in a big parking lot. The church is the living body of Christ on this earth. And I think here in America we've lost sight of it. We talk about our church and we're talking more about our building and our little groups and, and what we do in our four walls. We've lost sight of the greater mission that goes beyond the walls of the church. I'm gonna get into this more tomorrow, and a couple of news stories that I think we need to, to see. These these should serve as a warning sign to us, as a precursor of the things we can expect. Whether this is the great tribulation or just a time of intense tribulation, time will tell. But I'm not gonna predict, but I'm gonna be ready either way. Will you? Do you believe in what we're trying to do here A Truth to Ponder? Do you believe in this ministry? And a lot of what this ministry is going to expand to do is to help empower small fellowship groups of Christians that may have to work outside of the regular church methodology we're used to in this country. That day day is coming and it's coming really fast. Maybe not where you live, but I can think of many places where it already has if you believe in what we're doing and want to keep this voice active and on the air and as a podcast would you consider and this is really for the air time this is where like 99 percent of everything goes if you make a check payable to ancient word radio ancient word radio that's our parent ministry and our mailing address during these times of travel and work in ministry in florida so we don't lose the mail so it's carefully accounted for is highway 5753 highway 85 north that's 5753 highway 85 north number 3248 that's number 3248 truth to ponder 5753 highway 85 north number 3248 and the city is crestview C-R-E-S-T-V-I-E-W, Crestview, Florida, and the zip code 32536. One more time quickly. Truth to Ponder, mailing address 5753, Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Crestview, Florida, 32536. You can also support us from the website if you so choose. And my personal email address is bob at truth, the number two ponder.com. Bob at truth, the number two ponder.com. This program is a labor of love. And, and I really, when you encourage me with an email or a letter or anything, you just don't know what it means to me. Sometimes I don't hear anything for days and I wonder, is it worth doing? And then I get these letters and I may share some tomorrow. That were a true encouragement. Plus, I want to encourage some of you that may be thinking of doing something similar to what I'm doing. Hey, it's not competition, it's just more voices sharing the same good news of the gospel. Until tomorrow, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth.